name. So if you're watching, we've been doing, I've been doing this, man, a long time. I don't even know how, 20-something years, every once in a while we'll have a conversation with pastor. We used to call a pastor talk for years and years and years. And, uh, and you know, it's just always a lot of fun. So uh, these are really good questions this time. So I may so- say something that challenges you. How many are ready to be challenged? All right. Uh, so question number one, if you're pro-life, what does pro-life mean? What's pro-life? What? Anti, okay, that's the negative side, anti-abortion. A pro-life person is for life. That is, they believe life begins at conception and that you shouldn't abort a living child, a human being from its mother's womb. So, so they said, if you're pro-life, is it wrong to get a vaccination that contains, and this person's done their homework, an MCR-5, uh, a diploid cell culture line composed of fibroblasts originally developed from the lung tissues of a 14-year-week-old aborted male fetus. So somebody been watching videos, that's what I know. Uh, so the question is, is it wrong to get a vaccination that has those little gobulets in there? And uh, so what do you say? Well, number one, abortion is a sin. I don't care if it's protected by law or not, sin is sin. Molech was worshiped in the Old Testament. And Molech, I've told you many times, how it was an idol that had arms outstretched with tar on them. They lit the tar and then they would pass their babies through the fires of Molech and sacrifice their children, they being the Israelites, and other pagan cultures would as well. And the Israelites, and God judged Israel because they sacrificed to the god Molech their children. We're doing exactly the same thing today. We don't call it Molech, we call it abortion. Same thing, same devil, same demon. It's demon spirits. So you know what? You're allowing demon spirits to have a ball and a blast. And uh, when, when, you, when, you, uh, when you obtain an abortion, well, pastor, I've, I've had an abortion. Well, you've repented before God. You've made Jesus Lord, cut the strings and cut the ties to all that stuff and ask God to heal your mind and emotions and command every devil that's associated with that, with that act of killing a fetus. Uh, command them to leave you in Jesus' name and tell them that God forgave you and cleansed your sin, Right? I mean, you got to do that. How many hear me? So again, um, for me, I'm not going to do, if I have knowledge of something, for instance, if I was using a product and, and I knew that it had uh, aborted fetus tissue, it was uh, created from abortus, aborted fetus tissue, women, you need to look at some of the makeup you use. Now, don't freak out. I want you to wear your makeup, please. Just make sure it's clean. Uh, but for me, I'm not going to ingest anything uh, that, is, uh, that uses, if I know it uses the tissue of an aborted baby, I'm not going to do it. That means I won't take an injection that has that. Not, you're not putting that in my body because I live by principle. That's the way it is. So a lot of people say, well, it don't matter. Well, it does matter. And if you support that industry, you know, you're not helping the cause. You're, hurt, you're not hurting the cause. You're helping the cause. And you can pray all day for God to do something about it, but if you're giving them dollar bills, it doesn't help it, right? Anyway, that is an opinion of mine, and I have a strong opinion about that. So challenge me on it. You know, how can you with conscience towards you? Some people choose to hide their head in the sand and say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Everybody does. It don't matter. Well, you know, you're not a person that lives by principle. Then. You live by the whim of the moment. You live by the culture. God wants us to live according to his word and the dictates of conscience as led by the Holy Spirit. Number two, uh, we know that only God 
we know that only God knows what we are thinking. How many, how many believe that? That means he's uh, omniscient, all-knowing. It's an amazing thing that the God who transcends or lives outside of the universe he created knows every, every single atom, uh, quark, whatever now that is the smallest piece of atomic matter. He knows everything that can be known about everything and knows you're thinking. That means angels, Satan, demons. I'm sorry, that means angels, Satan, etc. Yes, cannot read our mind, but they can observe what we do and say. That's true. Uh, so how is it that Satan can implant a thought into us followed by feeling to possibly entice us to sinning? Uh, Old Testament, they had... Uh, they, had, it would, they would mention, familiar, the prophets would mention familiar spirits. Well, a familiar spirit, uh, that's a qualifier, familiar qualifies spirit. What kind of spirit is it? It's a familiar spirit. Familiar with what? You, perhaps your family, perhaps your upbringing, perhaps your ancestry. The sins of fathers and mothers, uh, is, uh, Exodus 34, 7, is passed from uh, down to the third and fourth generations. So, uh, so, so can it be that, that the devil in his kingdom knows your background, your ancestry, what messed with your family members, and, and, and can he, and can he uh, does he have that information? He could then have that information. That means Satan and his imps, the demon spirits, the fallen angels. And I have to, I need to do a lesson on that because it's so, it's so intriguing and it's so in-depth. Nonetheless, uh, Satan can know. Uh, Satan went to, uh, in the form of the serpent there in the garden, uh, at creation to Eve, and he spoke to her. How did he speak to her? Well, I'll let you do the research. Anyway, somehow he interjected thoughts into her mind. Jesus, uh, in his wilderness temptations, Satan came up to him and twisted the word, twisted scripture. Has not God said? You know, that's what he said to Eve. Hasn't God said? And that's what the devil will do. He'll take scriptures and and somehow has an ability. Spirit beings can interject thoughts into your mind. Now, we're uncanny creatures um, we are physical creatures. We're mental, emotional creatures. Um, what's a word? I'm looking for a word. We're also, we're also chemical creatures. We're also electromagnetic creatures. You ever thought about that? Uh, you, you, you never thought about that? Oh, yeah. C can you have your eyes closed until somebody walks in the room? Yes or no? Can you tell that somebody's having a problem when you walk into a room? Have you ever been into a room where a terse conversation had been had and you weren't in there and they weren't doing it when you walked in the room, but you walked in the room, everybody's quiet, but there's an atmosphere. Well, what is that? There's a perception, right? How does that happen? You figure it out. So devils and demons, they can tell. They can tell. They can tell kind of what you're missing. They can see what you're doing. They, can, they can't see what you're thinking. So can they interject thoughts? The obvious answer is yes, they can. Scripture's full of the times that they did. Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. How? Well, he kept thinking, obsessively thinking. I got the money bag. These guys told me if I let Jesus go, they'd give me, they'd give me a bunch of silver. If I, if I reveal Jesus, I, man, I could really use that. Oh, man, I could use that. And the devil kept saying, you need to do that. Jesus isn't everything he says he is anyway. I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? So, so, so suggestions come. So can Satan do that? 
Uh, he absolutely can do that. So we need to resist him. How many hear what I'm saying? I had a vein of thinking it just, uh, anyway, that's enough. Does that make sense? So, um, so how is it can Satan can implant a thought into us by following a feeling to possibly entice us into sinning? Well, again, uh, he just sometimes uses your own words and your own visage and what you're choosing to do. You're laying in bed all day. It's a telltale sign. You're thinking about the wrong stuff. Is that true? You know, you can't pitch your shoulders up off the floor. You're loping around. It's a pretty telltale sign, you know. Uh, so anyway, yes, he can. So the big idea is you resist him in Jesus' name, right? Now, again, uh, uh, cover the other side of that. Uh, Satan is not omniscient. That is, he's not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything. So, so what's this? I, now, this is really, I, I'd never heard anybody say this. I was at a... I was in Tulsa, uh, let's see, I was living there, lived there for eight years, and I'd go to frequent Kenneth Hagin's meetings. And in his prayer meetings, he said, he would say this, and some of you, if you have heard him on, on tape or were there in person, he would say, sometimes I just pray in the spirit and I won't pray in English something because I don't want the devil or his imps to hear me and hear me hear what I'm saying. Sometimes God would say something to him, and he would say, I won't let it come out my mouth. I, I'll talk in tongues to God. And, 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 and while I was there in a few meetings, he would say, now, y'all, I, I can't say this. I need to talk to the Lord a minute, but I can't. And I think it was prayer meetings. He'd say, now, I can't say this in English, but I, I need to talk to the Lord. He'd say, wait a minute, he just prayed in spirit. And he said the reason he did that is because Satan doesn't know, uh, doesn't know your thoughts, and, uh, but, and he doesn't know other tongues. Somebody said he knows every language on earth. That might be true, but he doesn't know other tongues because only God knows that one, Right? Anyway, it's quite, quite interesting to me. Nonetheless, the good news is we have authority over the devil, so, uh, and we need to keep, keep that authority. Uh, number three, can you explain the second baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, you know, can I get real? That's the first time I've ever heard that in my whole life. The second baptism with the Holy Spirit. I have never heard somebody use the phrase, the second baptism with the Holy Spirit. There's only one. But uh, this person read, let me read this from my hard copy Bible, Ephesians 4.31. Here we are. It's a big prayer meeting after uh, Peter and John healed the guy, you know, at the gate, beautiful. And they had prayed a, a, a whole lot. Verse 30 says, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Then verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So understand there's one baptism and many fillings. So you got to look at it that way. Kenneth Hagin, I thought, taught that well when he was alive in his books. Um, in his books on the Holy Spirit, he covers that very, very well. You know, there's the indwelling of the Spirit. Everybody say indwelling. That's where the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you like water uh, abides in this, in this, uh, in this uh, bottle. And, uh, and then the baptism, to baptize means to immerse into. So baptism in water, you immersed into water. Baptism with the Holy Spirit, that is you're immersed into Holy Spirit. So you contain Holy Spirit in the new birth, right? If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. But then when you're, born, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're immersed in a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. He surrounds your life like a cocoon and, and spiritual things uh, if you follow it and yield to it, it can become very real and you can have some wonderful experiences in God. And there's a power. Jesus said, Acts 1.8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. 
Um, dunamis is the Greek word, dynamic power. Um, and, and, and you'll be witnesses. So it's power, the power of God to minister life to others. So with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, with the new birth, with the indwelling comes new life. With the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes new power. And the problem with us is we're like this cup. If I got me my knife, I had in my pocket, stuck it, uh, you, the water would, would drain out. And living life, you drain the water of the Spirit out of your life. And I can just give you, a, for instance, every single Sunday, I feel like a noodle on, on Sunday afternoon. And I'll tell Susan or whoever, I'm going to take me a nap. Because, you know, it drains my spiritual tank to minister the way I do. And, uh, and then I've had many, many times on the mission field, Lord have mercy, preaching all day long. And then sometimes you minister all day long. Anytime you minister, you're draining your spiritual life. And you've got to recoup. I mean, you just have to. When you, when you, uh, when you expend physical energy, you burn the energy gained from your digestive system digesting your food, right? And you need those carbohydrates. And then you also need the proteins because they rebuild your cells. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. You got to rebuild yourself. So, so this idea that they prayed and were filled with the Holy Spirit, it wasn't a second baptism. No, it was just a refilling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I love, love, love um, Ephesians chapter 5 verse... Uh, I like using this hard copy Bible. It's kind of cool. Ephesians 5 verse 18, uh, where he says, uh, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Some people have testimony to that. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit or um, I think Weist, Kenneth Weist, uh, uh, theologian of, of, the Greek, of, of the Greek language, he said it's a progressive present tense when it says Bring, be not drunk with wine excessively, but be or be being filled. So it's the progressive present tense where you just constantly are filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? Well, if you'll just have a regular time with God in prayer, you can keep the tank full. You know, here's what I found out. You can wait till your tank gets plumb empty uh, if, if you're driving. I don't think that's wise because anything could happen to keep you from the, keep you from the filling station, Right? And if you wait till the things, some people just wait till they just got fumes. I can never figure it out. I've never waited till I have fumes. And I just don't think you're very smart to do that. I told, listen, I told my kids, I trained four people to drive. And I said, don't you ever, ever let your gas tank get down below. You know, if it gets down to half between a, a quarter and a half, you better get your honey into the gas station and do something. Spiritually, why let your tank dry down? If your spiritual tank goes down uh, spiritually, guess what? You're going to yield to the flesh, yield to sin. You might start cussing and fussing and messing and, and you know, might start drinking or doing all kind of mess. Uh, you know what I found out? People that have problems with the flesh, they don't pray a lot. Yes or no? It'll straighten you up. So, you know, the idea is be being filled. So, you can have a constant feeling. They prayed, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, man, I got a dose this morning. It was so good. I got up early and got to my chair upstairs, kneeled down. And it's like God was there saying, hi, Mitch, I've been waiting on you all night. I said, man, I'm glad. And we prayed, boy, I had a good time. All day long, I spent some time this afternoon praying in the Spirit. I'm charged up. I'm looking for a devil. I'm looking. I mean, you get stirred up on the inside. That's what happens. So, you know, so again, one baptism, many fillings. Just think of it that way. And you really want to think about being filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, right? Right? And fed every day, Lord, fill me afresh. with. So raise your hands up. Come on. 
Put your hands in the air, everybody. Come on. Say it, Father. Fill me afresh with the Holy Ghost and fire. Let him rise up in me. Renew my strength. Impart yourself to me. I believe I receive in Jesus' name. See, just keep yourself stirred up. My goodness. Woo. Anyway, uh, number four, uh, why do you have to, oh boy, here we go. Y'all ready for this? I need her some water for a second. <clears throat> what do you have to say to the prophets, and in parenthesis, and those who believe them, end of parenthesis, as they continue to stand on what they've, quote, prophesied, that Trump will return to office for the 2021 to 2024 term? What do you have to say to the prophets? I don't have anything to say to them. I mean, I don't have anything to say to them. They said it. I don't have anything to say to them. I just listen. That doesn't, mean I, that doesn't mean I believe what they said. I just listen. I mean, you know, there's so much on Facebook and the Internet. I mean, uh, uh, unless both your eyes are shut and you're like an ostrich, ostrich with your head hidden in the sand, you can't help but see some of this stuff. It's there. And then people are talking about it, and then they got talk shows that talk about it, and yada, yada, podcasts talk about it, videos, YouTube's full of it. I mean, you know, really in many ways. Um, <clears throat> that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> You'll catch it in a minute. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> I don't do anything with it. So whether a prophet, prophet says this or that, all my whole spiritual life, y'all have never lived by what a prophet said. I mean, listen, uh, Kenneth Hagin, as much as I, I respect that man, he's one of my spiritual papas. And I love that man. I could weep about him. I didn't live by what he said prophetic. I listened to it. I thought it said that's good. But see, that's, that doesn't, you know, that's not the same as, as this book right here. When I, hear this, when I read this book, I take that to the spiritual bank. So that's what I'm believing right there. But I don't put prophecy on the same line with Scripture. A lot of people today, they got prophetic churches. They got prophetic movement. When they get together, they're going to prophesy. And if you have church service and you didn't prophesy, well, you didn't have a very spiritual service. No, I think you're just stupid spiritually. I, it's really plain to say that. But listen, you don't base your life on prophecy. And it doesn't mean you had a bad service if the pastor just gets up and preaches the word. I'm so glad I lived in Tulsa for, get me started. I'm so glad I lived in Tulsa for all those years because, you know, Susan and I didn't live very far from Rama and then the church where I, I worked for a church there. And, uh, you know, I was just grateful I went there because I noticed some things uh, about Kenneth Hagin. And, you know, Jesus, listen, I told you, I, there were some services. It was, you've been there. It's amazing. You could just feel the Spirit of God. It's like, Jesus. Susan and I would go home from Rama, and I couldn't even talk. I mean, we had a really nice Camaro. I married Susan. She had a real nice Camaro. It was just a nice car. It was white. Man, that thing was all motor. Oh, Lord Jesus. Anyway, we got in that. That's not why I married you, love. No. But it didn't hurt. But we'd finish class at, at, at Rama, and I mean so many times, the bell would ring at noon. Kenneth Hagin had that last class, and oh my gosh, I mean, nobody would say anything. Did y'all have that experience? Nobody would say it. I mean, it was like silence in the class. This was 1980, 1981. I mean, the, you got 2,000 people in the class, and he's teaching. Nobody would talk. Nobody, everybody's going out, because you're like... I can't talk. I can't talk. Because the Holy Ghost was messing with you because of what he said. And he taught with the prophet's anointing. But as much as I revere Kenneth Hagin, 
you know, he prophesied, say, well, that's real good, but I'm going to live by this right here, this word. So if the prophecy comes to pass, great, that's a signpost. If it doesn't come to pass, that's all right with me. Judge prophecy has to be judged, right? So I, I don't put a lot, you know, it's good. I think it's wonderful, but I don't do anything with it. So does it bother me that somebody prophesied? No. They say what they want to say. I don't live by it. If you live by it, I just think you're not very smart. Number five, is that okay? Number five, how do you talk to people who feel misled and strongly believed? Here it is again. Through many Christian public leaders that have falsely prophesied President Trump would remain in office another four years and other things that would happen that did not happen. Again, the same thing. It's the same thing. I don't live by it. You can't live by that stuff. You just, you just can't. If you do, you're going to be disillusioned, disappointed, and you're going to have your error pointed in the wrong direction. And you'll have your spiritual life pointed in the wrong direction. You know, uh, so, some, you know, you got to be practical with your spiritual life. And some people are so impractical that they, they don't have a good witness because everybody thinks they're looney tunes, really. Because they only talk, talk in spiritual terms and spiritual tones about spiritual things. Well, we live in a physical world. My feet hit the dirt every, every day. And you just got to live a practical life. If you can't live a practical life in God, you don't have very much. So some of this stuff... It's building these spiritual invisible things that make you the big spiritual poombah, and all it takes is one little devil to, to poke your balloon, and it just all flattens out. Don't live that. Don't, don't live that way. I'm still with Jesus, and y'all, I've seen a lot of people fall away from God, get back in sin. That eh, don't work. Well, God, God doesn't do anything. I heard, they said that. It didn't happen. That's never bothered me. I've seen people fall away from God. I mean, people I went to Bible school with in the 70s that fell away from God. People I knew in the 80s, 90s. I don't like to talk about that. I never mention it, but I know they do because I can tell by what they say and how they live, that person fell away from God. I don't want to do that. I don't, know, I don't know what their standards were for their spiritual life. My standards never been what somebody else said. My standard's going to be what he said, what God said. Don't let me be your standard, because if I mess up, then you'll be all disillusioned. No, you go with the God that I talk about, and you go with the word I preach. That way, if I don't live it, you can still believe it. I'm responsible to live it, though, right? Of course I am. So anyway, enough said about number six. Context, Ephesians 6, 12 gives the names of spiritual entities or demons, Colossians 1.16, Ephesians 6.12, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So then he says, Colossians, or this person says, Colossians 1.16 says, for in him or Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, um, all things are created through him and for him. Question. So, so that's the context. Question. What do powers, rulers, and authorities do for Jesus? Well, one thing I know they do is they hit the dirt when he comes by. And when you speak the name of Jesus, they back up. Because if you all know who your authority in Christ, go listen to my podcasts. Because I'm talking right now about our authority in Christ. And it's the authority that's the back of our prayer life. Get a hold of your authority in Christ and the devils will be afraid of you. 
I mean, I mean, they'll be going down the road and you're on the road. They'll go down another road because they say, I don't want to mess with that guy. He beats my head up with the name of Jesus and with the word of God. He does what Jesus did. It is written. It is written. It is written. And so, again, question what do powers, rulers, and authorities do for Jesus? I think the person's asking, okay, they, if, if, if he is uh, over everything and all things were created by him and for him, everything that exists, then why did he create these principalities? Well, he didn't create them in the current form. Don't forget the devil, whose name was Lucifer, light bearer, light one, was originally the most beautiful being and the most exquisitely wise person that God ever created and had a big a big part to play in, in helping God run the universe. Evidently, Ezekiel 28 gives credence to that. When he fell and sinned against God, there are a ton of angels, at least a third, two-thirds stayed with God, one-third went with him. And, and so these principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, you know, and, and, and all of the principalities and beings that it mentions there in Colossians 1, they fell from heaven. They're fallen angels. They're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. I'm not. Are you? Well, you might unless you make Jesus Lord. But I'm not going to spend time there. So, you know, again, they fell from their high and lofty estate. They fell to the earth. They've been corrupted. They, they surround the earth with a clan, canopy of doubt, unbelief, fear, and all that kind of stuff. And they rule the nations of the earth uh, and people that let them. And the only people they don't control is you and me. When we walk with God, do his will, and stay prayerful, humble, and, uh, and stay full of the word and the spirit. How many hear me? They don't rule me. They'll rule you if you let them, however. So, again, uh, the context is, uh, what do they do for Jesus? They don't do anything for him now except try to resist the kingdom of God and make a mess because they're fallen beings. Number seven, is, uh, is someone really a Christian? Oh, this is a good one. Is someone really a Christian when their values do not line up with the word of God and they know it? That's a pretty good question. We've got a lot of people like that these days. So let's let the Bible, let's let, G, what if Jesus answered this question? So here we go, listen to this one. This is, um, I don't want that. Let's, uh, oh, here we are. Yeah, right here. Uh, you can identify a tree by its fruit. You can identify people by their actions. This is New Living Translation of Matthew 7, 20. Uh, and then verse 21. Now, this is shocking. If you're religious, this will mess with you. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, just stop right there, and that, that will bother you. That should bother you. Because how many have said, Lord, Lord? That means called out for salvation. Well, I have, have you? Well, he says not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. That means go to heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So is he saying there are people who say, you're my Lord, you're my Lord, but they don't live what they're saying. Is he saying that? I think that's the inference, don't you? Verse 22, Jesus said this. Now, on judgment day, many, now see that gets me, not few, many, everybody say many. How do you quantify many? It's undistinguishable. There's not enough qualifiers there. He says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Whew. Jesus, 
I called you Lord. And then he will say, uh, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. Well, certainly they're Christians. If they prophesy and cast out devils and perform miracles, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Wow. So lip and life have to agree. And the problem today, particularly in America, a lot of people say they're believers, but in a lot of ways, their lifestyle hasn't changed. I just want to tell you, if you make Jesus Christ your Savior from sin, if your lifestyle doesn't change, he didn't really get inside of you very deeply. Because he will convict everything you are. Now, you're not going to change immediately, but that does mean if you're living in a constant state, for instance, if a person's living with someone, they're not married, and they're having sex on a regular basis, and they share an apartment or a house together, and then one of those people gets converted to Jesus, makes Jesus Lord, well, guess what? Something just changed. The dynamic of that relationship has to change. Why? Because one of them is now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And, and if you have that kind of lifestyle and you, you get born again, you know, by yourself at a, or at a meeting like we have here, well, guess what? Uh, some, somebody inside of you called the Holy Spirit is going to say, uh, uh, don't, don't be doing that anymore. You, you need, you, y'all need change, change living arrangements here. Don't, don't be going to bed with them anymore. Well, so, well, I've been doing that for years. Well, it's time to stop now. He'll tell you. He will tell, yes or no? Yeah. Or you gamble, gamble all your money away, lie and cheat to do it. He's going to say, stop doing that. Yes or no? Or, or you, 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 you lie on your income taxes. You did last year and the year before. Then you came to Jesus before the next tax season, and you go down on that form, and you usually say, well, I'm not going to put that income on there. You just lied. And he's going to say, straighten it up. Or you have a business, and you're telling people one thing, but it's slight of words, and you're not going to do everything you said, and you know you're not, and you're taking advantage of them, and you know it full well. He's going to say, don't do that. Oh, you're working for someone, and they say, uh, we want you to uh, act this way and do this on this job, and you know they're, at, they're asking you to lie and cheat and deceive people. Well, guess what? You come to Jesus. You've got choices. You need to find another job. If you go to your boss and say, I can't do that anymore, I got to find a way to do what I do and I got to be honest, right? Huh? So, so that's how you practically apply that. So again, when you come to Jesus, man, there is a change in lifestyle. There's no change in lifestyle. I want to challenge your salvation. That doesn't mean, again, that you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you don't miss the mark. Doesn't mean that, you know, you don't say something you shouldn't say or, or sometimes slip. But when you do, you feel so badly about it and you just no, no, no on the inside. You have to stop. If there's no, 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 no on the inside, you need to stop. I would question whether or not you're saved. Yes or no? Uh, so here again, let me read this and I'll go past this question. Uh, uh, 1 John 3, 9 those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. See, it's very clear. doesn't mean they never sin, but they don't make a practice of it. It's not their lifestyle, right? Because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning, see, as a way of life. And I think Amplified may bring it out better than this because they are children of God. So again, you know, the idea here, um, is someone really a Christian, if their values don't line up with the word uh, I would challenge it strongly. Uh, now, here's another one here, number eight here. 
How to deal with someone obsessed with the prophetic in politics. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get real here. There's all kind of mess going on in America today. Would you agree? People are at odds. People are upset. We just came through an election season. Biden has been inaugurated. People are upset. Some people are upset about Biden being inaugurated. Is that true? Some people feel that it was unfair. Is that true? Some people think it's a fraudulent election, and they think we have a fraudulent president. I have had these questions, and I mentioned last Wednesday night, I prayed for every president that's entered that office. Whether I liked them, whether I agreed or disagreed with them, my job is to pray for them. I prayed for Joe Biden. Whether I agree or disagree, I prayed for Trump, whether I agreed or disagreed, right? But here's the reality, okay? Uh, unless your head's in the same, or not necessarily. If you only look at one thing, if you only have one source for information that's what, uh, about what's going on in the world, that could be a skewed source. And somebody could be telling you what you should be thinking about all the things that are going on in the world. Yes or no? Well, I think it's dangerous. You know, years ago as I was a kid, you cut on the evening news because there wasn't 24 hour a day, seven days a week news because there's not that doggone much stuff going on that's interesting enough. Talk about 30 minutes. Now you got 24 seven and everybody and their cat has an opinion about it. That's a problem. Now, what does that open the door for? Uh, error, deception. You got to understand all of us are biased. My biases are that I'm a believer. I have a Christian worldview. Am I biased? Absolutely biased. I'm biased toward God. I'm biased against sin. I'm biased towards Jesus. I'm biased toward the Holy Ghost. I'm biased towards the Word. Yes or no? You're biased. Everybody's got a bias, right? So when you listen into somebody, you got to figure out what their bias is. Yes or no? So here's what I do, you know, so uh, I, I honestly have stopped watching news on TV. I just don't watch it. I, I just don't because I don't care what you think about what happened. I want to know what God thinks about what happened. What you think, I don't care. So I quit watching it. I'm not joking. Now, you might not like that about me. I still love you. So here's what I do. So you got center. I like to be in the center on everything because I'm a pastor. So, so I, I like to listen. If I read, I like to read. And I'll look at a video here or there if it's not too long. Um, and so I want something that's centered. Okay, that is this person's trying to be fair to, to both sides of the political equation, for instance, or whatever the subject is that's being discussed. So, so then, so here's what I do. I read center. And how do I know that? I, I look at the origin of the source. What company is it? I don't know the company. I research them. I found out who works there, how they were founded, what their biases are. So I, I listen. I, I read stuff that is center. I read stuff that's right of center, left of center, far left of center, far right of center. And some of them I just think are cuckoo, but I just listen. So here's the skinny today. Listen to this. You have to have today an ability to be objective. Everybody say objective. And you have to have objectivity. Everybody say objectivity. What is objectivity? Objectivity 
Listen, now, now answer this question. Am I an objective person? Ask that about yourself. Am I objective? What, what are the characteristics of an objective person? An objective person can listen to information from whatever source, whatever bias that information comes from, and they can listen to it, quantify it, and it doesn't bother them mentally or emotionally. They just listen. It doesn't persuade them one way or the other. They're listening objectively. That is, they've taken themselves personally out of the information and they're just listening. Now, if you can do that, that that's worth a lot to you. Okay, everybody say subjective. Say subjectivity. What is, what is a person like who listens with subjectivity? Well, that's a person who hears information, but they're not able to separate themselves from what they're hearing. And they allow what they hear to, to bother them mentally and emotionally. And so they can't remain unbiased when they hear something. Oh, that's right. And they tell everybody what they're thinking and feeling. That is not an objective person. That's a person that has subjected their thoughts, their feelings, and their opinions to something else. Now, if you're only subjective, now, you know, I would say I'm really subjective about this book right here. I'll let this thing worm its way into every part of my life, right? But that's about the only thing. And then if Susan talks to me, I'll be subjective to that, of course. But subjective to, to news? Okay, so there's a lot going on. So listen, there are those that believe, listen, can I get real? You like reality? There are those who believe that Biden is the, is, is the uh, has been inaugurated as president, but he's the, uh, uh, what's the word they use? Somebody help me. Illegitimate president. And because they say uh, there was fraud in the election process, now, I've read a lot. There's 75 to 80 million people, and some people believe because of the stats they read. And I've read some of the articles, and I don't want to go too far. I just want to tell you what's going on. There are up to 100 million people, they say, that may have voted for Trump in the last election, but that it was thwarted by machinery called Dominion and, uh, and Hammer and Scorecard, these, uh, these programs that took the data from the voting systems and manipulated it overnight and gave Biden a, an unfair advantage that he didn't gain through the voting of the people. And then, so, so personally, I've been, I said, okay. And then I've listened to videos. I've read articles. Um, I've listened to hearings. There have been hearings in a number of states. I've, I've heard people with affidavits give, uh, give their confessions of what they saw and heard. So, so I've got enough information that I know that could be true. Well, then, then the other part is you, you, don't have a, you don't have a judge in the country that will allow that to have a hearing in a court of law. Not, not one. Not one. Not even the Supreme Court. So there are, there are those who are biased another way that say, see, because no judge will hear it, there must be nothing to it. Well, there is something to the allegation. You're a thinking person. Some people choose to say, well, that's it. He's president. That's it. Well, I mean, and, and they're valid to say that. He is. That's true. Been voted in. Other people think, again, you know, that it's not fair. And, you know, you're going to land somewhere in the middle of that. You're going to land somewhere in the middle of that because that's out here. Yes or no? Yes or no? We got people in our church. They're all over the place with this. 
I'm a pastor. I know people are thinking this, they're thinking this, they're thinking this, thinking all kinds of things about the election. What am I going to do? I'm going to stay right in the middle of the road. Why? I'm objective. Oh, now, why do I say, why do you listen to all that? Well, I'm going to listen there. I'm going to listen. I want to hear what people are thinking and saying. I'm not going to put my head in the sand that like it's not real. Because to a lot of people, it's very real. To some people, they think the people that think it's real are really stupid. I hear it all. Then I say, God, what do you have to say? So, so here's what I choose to do. See, objective person, you listen to everything. But my objectivity tells me not to focus on what is or isn't, what could or might not have been. Focus on the kingdom of God. That's right, see? So what does that mean? I pray for Biden. I pray for this whole thing. And I say, God, do what you're going to do. Help us in America. We're a divided people. And I don't want to see a civil war, and I don't want to see anybody die over what they believe. So, Lord, work this out. Move, work, 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 work. Right? So I just got it out there. How many hear me? So, so listen, if you have somebody in your family that is so obsessed with some of this information, and if you're in the room and you're obsessing over this stuff, friend, you need to come into Jesus, and you need a spiritual spanking. Bend over. I'm not joking, because you're ruining your your you're ruining your relationships with people. If you're so if you're so dog determined that your way is the right way, they'll prove you right. Just wait one day. You just need to cool your jets. Go have a drink of sweet tea. I'm not kidding. In fact, if I were you, and there was some, and, and you're doing that, and you're watching me, or you're in the room, you need to fast that stuff for over a week. Maybe take a Daniel fast of the stuff. Don't look at it for three weeks. Get it out of your system. Flush it out, and, and get yourself in the kingdom of God again. Because you're not doing anything helpful to anybody. And you're not leading somebody to Jesus with your, with your haughty attitude. Is that true? I see, I hear. I've heard the F word more in the last three months than I have in years. I don't like that. I don't like the F word. If you don't know what it is, good. You don't need to know. I don't like it. I, don't even like, I, never, I never even said it when I was a sinner. I didn't like it. I don't like it. Now then believers are saying it. <laughs> Why? Because they're so passionate. Again, objectivity, subjectivity. What are you? Are you an objective person or have you subjected yourself to something? Huh? Yes or no? Enough on that one, right? Woo-wee. Number nine, do you feel like well, we need to still prepare uh, for something that's going to happen where we will we'll not have access to food stores or be on lockdown? Yes, I do. I do. I really do. Because I think we're in a volatile time, and, and the signs of the time are, seriously, uh, I, I think we're right on the verge of, the, of, of that seven-year period people call the tribulation. I think we're there. We're not in it yet. I think we're close. And, and, and then it's just volatility, and then just our nation is so divided, and, and anything could happen. Here's the issue, and I've said this so many times. Let me repeat it again. You only have about maybe a two-day supply. I used to say three. Maybe it's only two since you couldn't buy toilet paper nine, ten months ago. Maybe 
Maybe it's only a two-day supply. I don't know. Of stuff in the grocery store. And if that's what you're banking on to get you through a hard place, uh, you might be hungry and be knocking on somebody's door in the room that was smart enough to prepare like a squirrel. You know, a squirrel will get acorns and stuff, and he'll just prepare and get little seeds and things and put them away in his, in his nest because he's going to eat when it's cold. He's going to eat when the snow's on the ground. And if you're smart, you're going to eat when there's nothing in the grocery store. So if something happened that curtailed communication or travel, and people, there's big 18-wheelers that lug everything that you buy from Target and Walmart and all the grocery stores you frequent, if those store, trucks can't get there, your ship is sunk, son. You're going to be begging somebody, can I eat? Can I have something to eat? Can I have some beans and rice? Well, come on in. I'll give you some. You know what I'm saying? So just be, be as smart as an ant. Be as smart as a squirrel and prepare. So, so my answer is yes, please prepare. I think it's wise. You know, 2008, David Wilkerson's first one I heard say, he said, we're entering in such a strange time. You ought to have some extra food on here. So you know what I did? I got my butt out of, out of my uh, house and I went to the grocery store and bought me a whole bunch of canned food. That finally eventually went out of date, and I had to give it away, and almost went out of date just before it went out. I had to eat it up, and then had to give it away, you know, so, uh, and buy some more. So now I've got some that last 30 years, hey? Uh, say, are you a prepper? Oh, I'm prepared. You can call me what you want. I could care less. I'm ready. For any eventuality, I'm ready. Because my responsibility is I'm, I'm responsible to take care of my family and make sure they're Okay. And I don't really care what you or anybody else thinks about it. I'm going to take care of my family. And then I'm a pastor. A pastor means a leader. You're overseeing people. I'm going to encourage you. Be ready for any eventuality. If a storm comes by, if a tornado comes by, if a bad thunderstorm knocks out the power, if a hurricane comes, if you got a bad snowstorm, you can't get to the grocery store, man, you got some food at home. Yay. you got some water to drink. The lights go out. Hey, you're okay, right? Be smart. Number 10, there are people that believe uh, where the Bible is talking, oh, boy, there are people that believe that where the Bible is talking about homosexuality, that if you research uh, back, it was actually referring to pedophilia, pedophilia sex with children. That's nasty. And that in modern times, that does not apply. They also believe uh, homosexual relationships do not hurt other people. Why can't love be love? How can we debate, clarify um, to them that this is not the case and God is, in fact, clear about uh, homosexuality. Uh, well, again, you just share what the Bible has to say. You know, you know, when you share it with somebody that doesn't have a belief system, you have, you, have to, you have to quantify yourself. You have to show them what page you're on. And then you have to respect another person when you're talking to someone that believes things like this. I mean, you've got to respect them enough that they're doing what they really believe. And let me say this. Most people... Do what they hear. And most people, sad to say, believe what they hear. Most people are like sheep going to the slaughter. Most people don't think very deeply, particularly in America. We just look at videos and we look at Facebook. But we don't think very deeply about anything. And so we want everybody's opinion. So we look at TikTok videos or Snapchat videos and YouTube videos and Facebook all day, all day long. We're just brain, we're numb skulls. Our skull is numb. And, and, and we're not thinking. Because we're not thinking, somebody gives you suggestions or, they are, or your child goes to school or their friends say, and he's a boy, I like boys. I like to kiss boys. 
I like to have sex with boys. And then they got a girl who's a friend. Say, my name was Jane, but now my name's Joe. And I love girls. And I kiss girls. And I have sex with girls. Now, I know it's weird I'm in church saying that, but that's what everybody hears outside of here because that's what the culture's saying. And now the school system's saying these kinds of things are normal. And friends, that is not normal. Historically, it's abnormal. So again, when you're talking to someone that believes the things that the media is saying, and they say it all the time. They say it now in movies, in sitcoms. I don't watch much. I'm about to jerk the cable right out my house. I don't even look at TV. Do I look at TV? I really don't. I don't like TV. I don't look at sick. If you can look at sin and laugh at it, something's wrong with you. If you can look at perversion and say, that's okay, something's wrong with you. Spiritually, right? Honest. So again, who you're talking to, you got to quantify things. You're talking to somebody that is subjected to all this. That is, they've bought it, they feel it, they do it, they live it, and they think it's okay. Well, you know, the context you enter into that person is, you know, um, they say, well, don't you think it's okay? Uh, and you can have to say, well, uh, well, uh, I'm a Christian, number one. And, and you see, I believe there is a God that created us. And that God is a holy person, a, a, a pure being. And he's given us standards in life to keep us safe. And that would be my vantage point. So here's what the Bible teaches. And I live by this. Now, I've chosen that. You, don't, you can choose that or you can choose to do what you're doing. This is what I do. And this is why. And then I can show you what it's done now in my life. I can say, all right, let me show you what that's done for my children. Now I have seven grandchildren. Guess what that's going to do for my grandchildren? So how's that going to affect your children? Well, you can't have children. That's right. Because you're married to a man. Or, or you go marry a woman. You can't have children. Somebody else has got to have your children. Your apparatus doesn't work right. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. It's just the way it is. So, so let me go further. Number 11, a person now living gay. Everybody okay? A person now living gay, that means homosexual slash lesbian, says they struggled with homosexuality while they were serving God for several years and that they cried out to God uh, for help to try to not live this way or have feelings, but God did not respond. During this time, they cried out for God, uh, uh, to God for help. They only felt guilt and shame. And now coming out, that means telling everybody I'm lesbian or I'm homosexual and I'm proud about it. Uh, they feel free and they feel like they can be themselves. So the per person asks a question, how can we talk to them when they are convinced God did not respond to them and now question if he is even real? Can we do anything other than pray for them? Well, this person, let me make a few comments. I think I've said this before. This was old 10 years ago or more. Uh, we were in the other building. There's a couple sitting on my, I had a burgundy couch in my other, uh, other office. They were sitting on that burgundy couch and, and they were in the armed forces. They were stationed in Fort Bragg. And they'd been coming to our church. And I got to talk that marriage stuff going on, you know. And then the guy made a statement and I thought, wow, that's really insightful. And you know what he said? I was sitting in my little chair. He says, Pastor, I want to know this. I said, every time I come to your church, it makes me feel bad. Well, usually people say, oh, it makes me feel glad. He said, no, it makes me feel bad. 
I said, what do you mean bad? He said, well, I sit down, you know, we get to worship, and I just feel awful. And then while you're preaching, he says, I just feel awful. I said, what do you mean awful? I just feel all guilty. And here's what I said to him. And I thought, oh, man, usually I want people to get all excited about what I preach. But he didn't. And you know what I said? I heard it coming out my mouth. I said, you know why you're feeling that way? You know why you're feeling guilt and shame? It's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. If you didn't feel uncomfortable, you wouldn't change. If you can be comfortable in sin, it means the Holy Spirit is not dealing with you. It means there's no, condi- no conviction. If a person can be comfortable doing what God says will eventually ruin you and your family, and you're comfortable and you're okay, you know what that says? Your conscience is hardened. That's a person with a, a, a hardened conscience. So we've got a lot of people in our post-Christian culture with hardened consciousness. Hebrews 3.13, uh, we're, we're hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You say, well, pastor, you're being too bold and brash. No, I'm just, I just got to agree with God. So how do you minister to somebody like that? Well, number one, God created us, first of all, they're not 30 different genders, there's two. There's only apparatus for two. And all you got to do is pull your pants down and look. You can see what you are. Just don't do it in public. I can promise you I'm a male. I can promise you Susan's a female. We have four kids. And all this other's just ballyhoo. You can call it what you want. It's the human mind doing away with God. Here's what you got to understand. There's four things. There are four things that are the foundation for a culture to go into what the Bible calls depravity, and that means any kind of, of uh, sexuality goes. There are four foundations for that. The first one's atheism. The first foundation that leads towards this is when a culture chooses to say there is no God, we believe in, secondly, evolution. If there is no God and no creator, then we just evolved. The Bible doesn't teach that. And common sense, (laughs) common sense can't believe it because there's too much rhyme and reason to the molecular structure and the macro structure of the universe. There has to be a creator. A lot of stuff about atheism, evolution, which gives way to relative values. What do I mean by relative values? That means your values change according to who you're with, what group you're in, uh, what social situation you may encounter. That's a person whose values are relative or they change. Some people are like the little lizard that changes colors according to what bush he's on. One day he's green. The next day he's brown because he's on your deck. The next day he's white because he's on the railing on your, on your you know, he just changes. And that's the way some people are. They have relative values. So you got atheism, evolution, relative values. And the end result of that is amorality. That means any kind of morals go. So anybody that says that homosexuality is okay, see, they've been, they've been, they, they've been listening to a system of standards and belief. And what you've got to understand is the news media, 
I'm talking about broadly, worldwide, the news media in general, unless it's a conservative Christian news media. The news media believes that anything, any sexuality is just wonderful and fine. They're seeking to put it in their textbooks in school, yada, yada, yada. And uh, there's a lot to say about that. How many hear what I'm saying? So can we do anything other than pray for them? Well, yes. You can let that person know that, yeah, if they were trying to walk with God and had these feelings and thoughts, it was the Holy Spirit trying to draw them away from the behaviors that they've either learned by someone in their family or they've seen somebody do it or they feel disenfranchised as a man or as a woman and nobody loves me and nobody cares, but I'm a man, but another man put his hand on me and said he liked me and then he loved me and then he wanted to make love to me. Well, there's a problem with that. And vice versa for a woman that says exactly the same thing, see? So how do you minister to that person? Say, no, no, God was trying to help you when you felt guilt and shame. That's the Holy Spirit. Now that you feel none of that and you feel wonderful, it just means your heart's become hard towards God. And the Holy Spirit really has left you alone. Now, I don't have time. You go to Romans 1. It says, um, it says those that participate in the lust of homosexuality or the lust and I said that on purpose because that's what the Bible says, of uh, lesbianism, uh, they, they, they have acquired, King James Bible says, a reprobate mind or a mind void of judgment, a mind that's lost its ability to know the difference between good and bad, right or wrong. And they just do anything they want to do. Now, that's a person that's without God. So can you go to heaven and be a practicing homosexual? No. Can you go to heaven with homosexual desires and feelings in your mind? Yes, as long as you don't practice them. Yes, as long as you say, God, I don't want to be that way. You know, somebody raped me when I was a kid or, or I've had this, I don't know why. And a lot of people believe, I'm trying to answer a bunch of things at one time. Some people believe and they're taught that it's a genetic disposition to be a homosexual or a lesbian. There's one chromosome between male and female, X and Y. So there's one chromosome difference between male and female. And they say, well, the chromosomes got uh, confused. And then there are a, a very minuscule percentage of all the 8 billion people in the world who are hermaphrodite. That is, they got the apparatus for the man and the woman. And what you do if you got a baby and it has that? Well, that's a sad tale. Where you just sit down with the medical doctor and God and say, God, what I do with that? That's a very, very rare condition. It does happen, but that mostly doesn't happen, right? So you got to determine, you know, God, you got to help me. So again, how many hear what I'm saying about all this? I'm trying to look at all this. There's so much to cover there. Then number 12, the Bible talks about God hardening certain people's hearts for his purpose you know, I got to back up here again, this thing with homosexuality, lesbianism, and all that. I, there, there are people who, uh, who really want our culture to be that way, and they want laws passed that the government will say it's okay. And the you know, Supreme Court's already recognized and sanctioned homosexual and lesbian marriage. Not every state has adopted the laws. And not every state will allow that. Not every city and every state will allow that. So again, it's a really sad day in America. We're departing from the values that made us a really great culture. Some people, when they hear this, you're watching me on Facebook, you're watching me after this is all said and done tonight, and, and you think I'm a crazy person for talking about this. I can only speak where God speaks. 
And I have to be honest. And can I get real again about this? God made Adam and Eve. He made a man from the dirt. And then if you read the verbiage in Genesis chapter 2, which the Bible says was inspired by the Holy Spirit, God took the rib from the man. And I don't know how he did it. It doesn't make sense to my head. But he built the body of a woman from the man's body, not from dirt. And then God brought them together. And, uh, and Adam looked at Eve that came from his body and said, whoa, man, woman. And then, and then um, she is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In Genesis 2, 24, therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. He didn't say cleave to his male friend. They cleave to his wife. It didn't say, therefore, a woman shall leave her mom and dad and cleave to another woman. No, he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Now, God made us that way. And any, other, any uh, derivative other than that is ungodly and sinful, not sanctioned by God, propagated by demon spirits. And people that are wanting the sex change operation, they're asking for, you know, I just, everybody okay? I got a lot to say. Y'all want to ready to go home? You're not even, you want me to quit? You want me to talk? Yes or no? Thank you. I think I will. I just read, now listen to this. So, so one thing that's touted right now is, um, well, you know, Jane says, I feel like I'm a Joe, not a Jane. Mama and Daddy, when I'm at school, I told the teacher, I know I look like a Jane, but I'm really a Joe inside, or vice versa, okay? And so now the teachers in public school will say, because the, because the child says, well, I know I, I'm a Jane, but I want to be a Joe. And so, teacher, would you please call me Joe? Right? Is that happening or not? It is happening. Is that correct? It's not correct. And so what do you do about that? Well, uh, here's what I just found out. Nazi Germany, 1929-1930. I'm reading a book by Rick Renner entitled How to Live in a World Gone Crazy. This is my second time reading through the book. And he's the one that did the research, found out 1929, 1930 in Germany before it was Nazi Germany with, with the madman, Hitler. They started having practicing sex change operation. Then, then I found out, kept reading, he did the research in Auschwitz when they gathered all the Jews and put them in the concentration camps, they started testing all kinds of operations. And they did sex change operations on these people in the camps to see how it would work. They turned a woman into a man, the apparatus down below, and then turned the man into a woman. It didn't work out real well. See, they did it then. Nothing new. My friends, that kind of stuff, I don't, know how else to, I don't know how to put cream on this. That's propagated by demons. 
You got to be real about it. Is there anything godly about that? Nothing godly about that. Is it hurtful in every possible way? Until 1973, American Psychological Association called homosexuality, lesbianism, and transgenderism a mental problem. Go do the research. It's only recently that people started uh, saying, we need to change all that. And my friends, America has fallen head over heels into that. And then a lot of churches, they want to say, well, we better back up and not offend anybody. That's the reason our nation is going to hell in a handbasket. Okay, so let's see if I can be a little more plain. How do you talk about to your kids about what is being taught in schools with LGBTQ agenda? I just appreciate all the simple questions here. Especially that people are born that way, homosexual, and can choose their gender. These things are being taught in school. Here's my opinion. If I were you and I would have children, if at all possible, if I had to scrimp and scrape and sacrifice and, 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 and eat a and eat saltine crackers and peanut butter for lunch. I do my best to get my children out of that school. Martin Luther said, when you take God out of education, schools will become gaping halls of hell. Welcome to the American school systems. Not every, not every teacher's bad, but the system is slanted, and they're trying to put things in, in, uh, in books that are wrong. How many hear me? Mighty quiet in here. Somebody's got to say this. Y'all afraid something's going to happen to me because I say this? Until now, we've had freedom of expression. Yes or no? I have a right to say this because that's what the Bible says. So if I were you and I had children in the public school, I'd try to get them out. But if, you, if you're certain push come to shove and you can't, that's South Carolina for can't. You can't then... You're not very smart if you don't sit your child down every day and look at their school book, find out what they're reading, find out what the teacher said, and if they say the teacher told me not to tell you, you better go talk to that teacher, go to the PTA meeting, go to the principal of the school and say, I am their parent, I gave birth to them, I sweat my blood and guts for them, I provide for them and clothe them. You don't. You're subjected to me. And I don't want my child taught that. Take them out of class. If you don't, you're going to lose your child. If, if your children are in public school and you rarely talk to them, you will lose your children. Your children will probably go to hell unless you change. That's tough, isn't it? I need to be. Some people got their head in the sand. Well, the Lord knows. Well, I know he knows. He wants you to do something about it. Everybody okay? Pastor, you too strong. Somebody better get a spine. That's why we're losing our nation, y'all. If you don't like what I'm saying, I love you. See, this is my bias. I have a Bible bias. If you don't have a Bible bias, you're not happy with what I'm saying. I get that. Totally. Let's see how it works out in the end. What is the most appropriate age to explain to your child that the world's view is wrong and against the Bible on most things, same-sex marriage, etc. What's the appropriate age? One day old. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Start singing, speaking, smiling, loving. This is the Bible. They can't see anything but white and black. This is the Bible. Look at that. That's the Bible. From the time they're born, right? It's long. It's late. I got two more. Y'all ready for two more? This is really easy. Then we're going home. I'll just let you go right now in a minute. Uh, Is there any Bible reference I can use as documentation as why I can't be forced to take the COVID-19 vaccine? Evidently, somebody works at a place said, you're going to take that vaccine. Well, well, you're ready to get another job if you say no? Because that might be what they say. Be willing to do that. And I personally believe God will provide for you. Yes or no? Uh, So here, two scripture, number one is 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse um, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. I'm doing it for the glory of God. Can you say it? If you can't, don't do it. Secondly, I know y'all, this is nuts. Uh, Romans 14, uh, 23. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, or stick a needle in your arm and get a vaccine, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Huh? If somebody says, well, you can't travel unless, well, I guess I'll stay home. God will make a way. He has to translate me. Beam me up, Lord. Y'all get something out of this? You're real quiet. Friends, we're living in a culture that needs Jesus. It's not time to be penny-any about what you believe. You need to speak boldly, even if it means you're persecuted, and even if some people don't like what you're saying, that's okay. Say it in a way that that they know you're real, that that you really believe what you say you believe, right? Huh? Don't be politically correct. Somebody may go to hell out of your political correctness. So, Father, I just got to stop. Let the grace of God be on every person, every family, every old person, young person, in-between person, in the name of Jesus. And give us grace to live today, to be bold today, to shout it from the housetops that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is alive. The word of God is true. That morality is the right way to go because it brings long life and peace in Jesus' name.